Welcome to Supercharge My Practice, a podcast dedicated to helping you build a thriving and fulfilling natural therapies business. Each week, your host, Anil Mustafa, interviews leading practitioners and field experts, sharing proven tactics, inspiring stories, and actionable steps that will help you unlock your potential. Supercharge My Practice is proudly brought to you by My Appointments Practice Management System. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Supercharge My Practice podcast. Today, I'm excited to be interviewing Marlene Schmidt, who is a money management coach accredited by the Spending Planner Institute and the founder of Insight Spending Planners. Her goal is to teach women how to manage their money and achieve a secure financial future without stress or overwhelm. Marlene, welcome. Such a pleasure to have you here today. Oh, thank you so much, Emil. It's my pleasure to be here. <laughs> Now, I'm really excited to talk to you about this topic about financial planning and spending and managing your money because it is something that I think a lot of practitioners really, really struggle with, especially when it comes to paying themselves a wage or putting the appropriate money aside to have cash flow in their business. So we'll go through that a little bit later. But what I wanted to start with is to ask you to tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be a money management coach. Yes, yeah, sure. Uh, well, I had a long, a long, long career in corporate. Um, uh, it must have been close to forty years, um, and I worked my way up the up the corporate ladder. And ultimately, I was a human resource manager. Um, loved coaching, teaching. Um, I designed and delivered training programs, all that sort of thing. But in 2014, unfortunately, my position was made redundant. And I lived in a regional area, so there weren't many opportunities for um, human resource professionals in that area. So I sort of thought, what do I do now? And I had um, discovered a really powerful way of managing my own family finances. about 20 years ago now, and I thought to myself, well, you know, with my my skills in coaching um, and training, because I love teacher mode, um, why don't I teach people how to effectively manage their money? Um, And it just so happened, I think it was serendipity, um, at the time, the Spending Planners Institute, who are the people that created the software that I use in my business and that I had been using for 20 years, they contacted me and said, would you be interested in becoming certified to train people in the software and coach them? And so I thought, yes, that's what I'm going to do. So. Um, the rest is history. Um, you know, I've been in business here yeah, since 2016. Um, I work principally with women, but often it's the woman that reaches out and they do have a partner. So the partner then comes on board usually. Well, yeah, they do. Um, once they can see, you know, the power of, of having your day-to-day finances sorted, um, and lately I have niched down particularly to women entrepreneurs um, because 
I'm an entrepreneur. I understand the struggles. I had such a steep learning curve at the beginning of my business. I mean, I didn't even have a Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> the idea, you know, I'd helped my husband with you know, three businesses that he'd had. Um, but online business is a bit different as well. So there's a lot to learn, you know, mm-hmm. as you know, in terms of marketing and all that sort of thing. So um, I'm quite proud of myself for all that I've managed to take on board because um, I'm not a young person, as you probably guessed. Um, well, you look uh, great. I don't know how old you are, but you certainly look great. Me having Well, I was 58 when I started my business. So anyone that. out there, you know, it's never too late. Absolutely. It's, absolutely. And it's the best thing I ever did. Yeah. And I often think, oh, I should have done it sooner, but then I think, no, I wouldn't have had the life experience that I've had in terms of, you know, all the struggles we face going through life at different stages with, with our finances. I think that helps a lot too because invariably the problems that a lot of my clients have, I've been there and and managed to get through. So, yeah, so that's where I'm at. And I think that's a really important point to make is that your life experiences make you a better, in your case, coach, and in case my listeners, in their cases, it's better practitioners because they've had the opportunity to relate to what their patients in most cases are going through as well. And I personally think that makes you a much better clinician when you can sympathise and understand what the person on the other side is going to be experiencing and what they need. And that makes you uh, in a better position to be able to help them as well. So I think that's fantastic. And I really love that, that, you know, you started your business at 58. We do have some uh, listeners that are homeopaths and the average age, I think, of the homeopath is about 62. Oh, wonderful. they, they come from a very different era and it's amazing to see them starting to embrace some of the newer technologies like even social media in their businesses or websites and things like that. So I think it's absolutely commendable that you were brave enough to start your business at that age. So well done. Oh, thank you. The next thing I want to move on to is how business owners feel so overwhelmed with managing their finances and meeting their tax obligations. So I'd like to know from you, please, why do you think it is that so many people struggle so much with their finances? And I want to talk more in the space of entrepreneurs. I think this your advice is probably going to relate to everybody, but more so in the space of entrepreneurs where there's additional tax obligations that they have to consider, additional cash flow requirements that they may need to consider in terms of meeting their expenses and things like that. So why do you think it is that so many people struggle and what strategies or suggestions do you have for people that are in that place right now? Yes. Um, I think firstly I'd like to say that for the majority of us, no one teaches us how to manage our money in general. And I think for entrepreneurs in particular, how we manage our money in our personal life is normally carries over into our business. So if we um, ignore our finances at home, we tend to turn a blind eye in the business as well. Um, And also I think there's a lot of jargon out there that frightens people. They don't understand the difference between profit and cash flow and all these accounting terms that they feel like they need to get their heads around. 
Um, and I think the other thing is too, when we don't know, so when we feel inadequate or we haven't got a handle on the money in our business, it stops us from making good decisions about our our business finances. And I think the biggest thing that people need to understand is knowledge is power. And if they take the time to learn to love their numbers and, you know, get up close and personal with what's going on, that um, relieves a lot of the stress because when you know, you don't have to have that anxiety about, you know, the unknown, which is a lot of, you know, causes a lot of the problems. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So can you share with us what you believe to be the essential financial foundations that entrepreneurs should establish and and hopefully they'll establish this at the start of their businesses because that's the most important time. But what are foundational aspects of their business do you think they need to set up to ensure their success? Yes. The very the biggest mistake that entrepreneurs make, I think, when they first start out is not separating their business and personal finances. Um, and I'm not sure why. I think women entrepreneurs in particular are so attached to their business that it's sort of they are the business and they feel the same way about the, the money side of things. You know, well, it's it's my money, it's my income from the business. But I think the biggest thing, they, the biggest tip I have for them is to see the business as a separate entity and therefore open a separate business bank account so that all of the business income comes into that account and all of the expenses for the business are paid from that account. And a lot of people feel a little bit of overwhelm with tackling that, um, but it's simply a matter of you know, printing out your bank statements if, you, if you're in business and you haven't done it yet, um, print out your personal bank statements Go through with you know a couple of highlighters and and highlight the things that relate to the business, and then set it up so that any direct debits etc are coming from a new business bank account. Um, so that's number one. Uh, number two is educate educate yourself about the difference between revenue, profit, and cash flow. Now, I can elaborate on that now if you'd like, Anil. Absolutely, let's go. Because I think a mistake that a lot of entrepreneurs make too is um, perhaps say they've come from corporate and they were on a salary of $75,000 a year. They start their own business and they're aiming for that same salary. A lot of entrepreneurs make the mistake of thinking that they only have to bring in $75,000 in revenue. But revenue is the top line income in the business before any expenses are paid. So you have to deduct your expenses from your revenue to see what's left. And what's left is your profit. 
and you are paid from the profit. So in most cases, um, and this is just a, a, an estimate, obviously, because everyone's um, business expenses are different, but a general rule of thumb is if you want to earn 75000 in income from your business, your business revenue would need to be 150000 um, but that's just a general rule of thumb. Um, obviously, with my clients, we get into the, the detail and every business is unique. So, you know, those figures are just just that, just a guide. So don't be fooled by thinking, you know, that the revenue um, is all yours um, because the business needs that some of that revenue to keep operating. Mm. Um, what else? And I think they need to start tracking their revenue and expenses early on in the business. Now, a lot of people will get a bookkeeping system to do that. Um, but in the very early stages and for businesses, um, particularly service providers, where they don't really have a lot of expenses, can easily achieve that um, through a simple spreadsheet. Um, and just keeping an eye on how much is coming in, how much is going out. Um, and the other thing, I'd caution entrepreneurs in the early stages of business not to go crazy spending money um, because you can often get by with a lot less than you think. And so, you know, look for free versions of software that will tide you over in the early stages um, because I see so many entrepreneurs who don't have a lot of income but they're spending an awful lot on the running expenses of the business. Mm. So it's a good idea to be really critical about your business expenses and what you absolutely must have in the beginning to get done. Um, and so, yeah, I've covered um, revenue expenses and profit the other big one is cash flow because profit is a historical figure. So if you've got a bookkeeping system, you can run a profit and loss statement um, at any time and see if you were profitable over the last month, say. But that doesn't mean that you won't run out of cash in the bank at some stage in the month because Timing is everything with cash flow. So you might have a low-income month that coincides with a big expense month. So say you have some annual expenses that fall during that month and you don't make a lot of income, you need to make sure that you've got the cash in the bank to cover all of those expenses. So cash flow management looks forward so that you can see what's coming up and what income you've got coming in to make sure that you don't run out of cash in your bank account. So um, so cash flow is basically um, revenue minus expenses plus cash in the bank. And okay. is there some kind of a magic number that I know every business is going to be different, but 
how does someone come up with the figure that they need to maintain in their bank account in order to have cash flow? Because you've got obviously a whole bunch of expenses, like you said, some expenses are due annually, some are due quarterly and some are due monthly. So is there a magic number, and maybe this is percentage-wise, I don't know how you might calculate this, but is there some kind of safety net amount that you think practitioners should maintain in their bank account so that they don't fall into any troubles with meeting their obligations in paying their expenses? Yeah, there's a general rule of thumb um, that you should have around three months' worth of your baseline expenses set aside. Um, A lot of people keep that in a separate bank account so that they don't accidentally spend it. Um, But if you're... I guess, and and the way to get that figure for an individual is to total up all of their business expenses, and then uh, and make sure you convert the annual ones to a monthly cost, and then you get your baseline expense figure per month. So it's a worked out as an average, and then if you worked out three times that amount that should be a sufficient buffer for you in terms of a a cash buffer in the bank in case of those periods where your expenses exceed your income. Yeah, Excellent. That's a really, really simplified version or way to manage your finances. I love that. I love simple. I think that's brilliant. One thing I will touch on that I personally found really beneficial, I didn't start doing this until I'd been in business for quite a few years and kept running into trouble with GST. Uh, And that was because when I was in business, GST didn't exist and then it got introduced not long afterwards. And so there was the trying to understand how this ties in with my prices and how do I manage all this sort of stuff. And it took me quite a few years to get into this habit uh, recommended by my accountant when I fell into trouble and couldn't afford to pay my GST. And that is an earlier, you mentioned this as well, is that when you see the money in the bank and you're a sole trader, it's your money, right? You've earned that money. That's your money. But there's the expenses, but then on top of that, there's the GST obligations that you've got to meet every quarter. So what he suggests that I do, and I do this now all the time, is that I've set up a separate bank account that where just our GST sits in there. And now um, now that I'm an employee, I've set up a company now, and I'm an employee of the company. And so the other next step I've taken is that I've worked out my tax that I'm going to pay every week. I've worked out how much my super is going to be every week. And I now take both of those figures and automatically set up a direct transfer from my transactional or savings account to go straight into my tax account so I don't have to think about it. And for me, even though I can still see the money in every single one of those accounts and I still look at it and think that's my money, the difference is that I look at my transactional and spending accounts as the cash flow that I actually have in my business. So that's something that I learned and I think that's something that might help our practitioners as well. Yeah, now- and I guess that was the other point I was going to make um, is to get into the habit of start putting aside for tax. Yeah, um, you to it. <laughs> and from GST, yes. as you've just said, um, in a separate bank account because essentially it's not your money. It's already spoken for. Um, and if people, I'm not an accountant, but if people want to know how much should I be setting aside for tax, just ask your accountant um, because 
I think an, another thing that um, entrepreneurs get caught out with is the annual the tax bill at the mm. end of the financial year. And when you're an entrepreneur and you're a sole trader, if you've got any other income outside of the business income, um, you'll be paying tax on that and your business income will increase that if you're paying yourself from the business. So um, it's just something to be aware of and you probably won't have to set aside very much initially um, until you, you know, get past the tax-free threshold you know, you'll be right, but it's a good habit to get into. Um, and the other good habit to get into is start paying yourself. Even if it's only $20 a week, it doesn't matter. It's It helps psychologically with seeing the business as an entity separate from you and you're the CEO and the business pays you. And you can slowly increase that amount of time as your income grows. So let's uh, break that down quite a bit more because this is a massive problem in our industry is most of us start off as sole traders and some of us may manage mm-hmm. to stay as sole traders for our entire careers. And so your yeah. the money that you pay yourself, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is not a tax deduction. You've taken that money out of your account, you've earned no. your tax, you've got to pay, you've got to pay your tax off money. money. Whereas say... Um, Yes, say your your income for the month is $5,000, your expenses are $3,000, the profit therefore is $2,000, but out of that profit you have to allocate your tax, your super if you're paying any super, um, and you might want to add to your savings buffer and you've also got a case. So you've always got to remember that, yeah, your pay comes out of profit. Right. And how well, you gave us a really simple formula before for cash setting aside cash flow. If you're someone who's new in business, and in our industry this is common amongst the boards, is that we have an inconsistent income because it depends on the amount of clients we see. And we might be fully booked practitioners, but somebody doesn't show up, you don't get paid. So there is yes. such a huge discrepancy amongst what practitioners earn purely because of the unpredictability of what's going to happen in our appointment book. So how does yes. someone know? I mean, they've set aside their cash. You've guys given us a great formula, as I said, but how does someone know what they should be paying, what they can afford to pay themselves as a sole trader? And I'm putting that aside separately to a company where you'd be paying yourself a wage as an employee. So we're talking about sole traders in this instance. But is there an easy formula or some guidance that you might be able to give a practitioner to work out what it is that they can pay themselves, even if it is, like you said, $20? Is there some kind of a formula or something that might guide them in this aspect? Yes. um, Have you heard of Profit First? I have. And you know what I'm going to tell you? I actually reached out to find someone on Profit First to do this interview, and that's how I found you. I don't know Uh a lot about it, but I instinctively recoiled when I heard the name because as practitioners, we're all about giving and helping people. And to think that you're going to put profit above your patients, it's such an icky feeling. But the more I'm going into business and understand business and understanding that if I'm not well paid for what I do, I'm not going to enjoy what I do. I'm not going to be able to keep my doors open. I'm not going to be able to continue. So having profit in your business is absolutely unequivocally important, not just for yourself, but also right. for you to be there to still see your patients because if you can't afford to stay open, then you can't help anybody. 
So um, I'd love to dive into profit first because I do think that practitioners need to consider this and I just will caveat it to say again that we don't want to look at our patients as just being people that generate profit for us. Look at it as you need to be profitable to be in business to continue to help them. So I think that'll help some of our practitioners as well. So, yes, let's deep dive into profit first. Okay. So the, I guess the philosophy of profit first is a little bit different to the accounting um, way of looking at it. So as I said before, revenue minus expenses equals profit. That's how the accountants look at it. But profit first flips it on its head and basically says revenue minus profit equals expenses. Oh, I love that. And what that does, um, and there are percentages that they recommend at different stages of business. Um, I think for businesses up to 250000 a year, um, profit, I'll bring up my spreadsheet quickly. Oh, no problem. That tells me those expenses and profit figures because it'll give you an idea or your listeners an idea of just some rough percentages that they could start with. And just while you're looking for that, I'm just going to repeat that again. Correct me if I'm wrong. Revenue minus profit equals expenses. Is that correct? That is. So for a business up to $250,000 a year, the recommended percentages are profit 5%, uh, owner's pay 50%, tax 15% and operating expenses 30%. Now, when I'm working with my clients, I sort of, I guess I tweak the profit first system a bit um, because often in the early stages of business, your expenses will not be 30% of your business revenue. Um, and as I said before, particularly for service-based businesses, they often have a lower expense cost. So what I like to do is I like to work with actual figures for expenses um, which is like I discussed before, working out you know your, your minimum um, expenses per month to keep your business afloat. Um, so like they're basically saying in profit first that you should be taking fifty percent of your um, revenue as owner pay. Mm. Now that's, I mean, I must say for a lot of my clients. They're not doing that either because they want to reinvest back into the business and they're happy to take a lower rate of pay. Um, it really is an individual thing, depending, you know, and some other um, business owners, they're single parents, um, so they need as much income as they can possibly get from the business. So... It all depends on the individual's personal situation, but they are the profit-first recommended percentages. I would also say that there's very few practitioners, especially in their early years, that would be able to take 50% of what they're earning as profit because that wouldn't even cover their own expenses. So um, do you... Exactly, because it depends on their revenue. I mean, the revenue is the top figure. Um, 
And if you're going to say, well, I'm going to pay myself 50% of that, there's not enough left to keep the business running, you know, in some cases. So um, when I'm working with my clients, we do tend to, we use that as a guideline, um, but we have individual percentages or actual figures in case, you know, set up in those cases. Um, the reasoning behind profit first is that it makes you more conscious of your expenses and keeping those down because if you're taking your profit first, um, the expenses have to stay down to maintain that 30% of the total um, because a lot of people get carried away um, with spending on the business. And so if you do it the, the accountant's way, revenue minus expenses, there's no flag for you to sort of say, oh, my expenses are getting out of control. Mm -hmm. um, so flipping it on its head ensures that you do make a profit. And profitable businesses are, you know, that's the lifeblood of, of the self-employment industry. I mean, if you're not profitable, you can't stay in business. So it does make sense and it, it does help people ensure that they are paying themselves. But you might sort of say, well, you know, of my revenue, I only want to put aside 5% for profit and out of that I will pay myself at the moment $100 a week. And so you can do those percentages then every month based on your income for the past month. You would then, you know, allocate the percentages to um, separate buckets of money, um, separate bank accounts in a lot of cases as, as you do with your tax. Um, a lot of people actually hold some of the profit in the business so that they've got, got some money there for professional development, for example, or hiring a coach, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, so it's all... I, I know why people get overwhelmed because it's all so new and particularly um, people in your industry, um, creatives, you know, they're so passionate about what they do. Um, paying themselves is probably the last thing on their mind, you know. Um, we're all about um, helping others and it's wonderful but... We don't want to put our own personal finance, financial situation at risk. Mm. Um, so I, I really think it's important to sort of get your head around the numbers, even at a very basic level, um, so that you can make sure that your business is sustainable. Mm. I'm sure a lot of practitioners relate to this as well, and that is that when we are in business, we love being clinicians. We love helping people. And we don't want to be bogged down by the burdens of running a business. We just want to help people. But all of that other stuff that you're talking about comes with that territory. So I think a lot of the times we get into this space of going, oh, there's money in the bank. That's all I need to know. But yeah. it's not because that's how you land yourself in trouble. And one thing I really like about this profit first method is that you could potentially use it 
to lower your expenses. So if you want to earn a certain amount of money from your business, but you can't because your expenses are too high and you can't achieve that, it gives you the opportunity to then reevaluate all of your top level expenses and see what can go. And the way that it can go is like you said earlier, is to simplify things and don't worry about having expensive accounting packages or having expensive programs or things like that because you think that's what everybody else is doing and that's what you need. A spreadsheet in most cases is going to suffice. That's how I started. Uh, my accountant actually had a spreadsheet that he gave all of his clients and you just went in there and you put your expense and you said which category it belongs to. And you could then very easily see, based on calculations you can add in your Excel sheets, exactly how much money you have left over when you put your formulas in. So if you just simplify things and stop getting caught up in everybody's using Xero, everyone's using Maya, which are actually quite expensive uh, for small businesses. The complexity of those systems is not necessary. You know, I mean, if you want to start, invoicing from the system and all that sort of thing, yeah, sure. But I think most entrepreneurs in the very early stages of business can get by with, yeah, a spreadsheet. And, you know, there's thousands of them out there for free on the internet. Um, You know, if you just look up a basic, you know, bookkeeping spreadsheet or cash flow management spreadsheet, you know, you'll find one. Yeah. and the other thing um, I will say, I've actually got a guide for um, entrepreneurs on setting up the financial foundations. Um, so I'll happily um, provide that for you. You can put it in the um, podcast notes. And I think that will help people, you know, just work through and make sure that they've got all the things in place that they need. Um, and I'd encourage people just do the bare minimum for a start. Don't get overwhelmed. Um, and you can always add in more later once you're, you're more financially viable. Yeah. Absolutely. There's so much to get your head around in business when you first start. I mean, there's the marketing, there's the growth, there's the administrative stuff, there's the patient management, the payments. There is so much to manage. It's part of the reason why we built the My Appointments Practice Management software for practitioners because we've built-in invoicing and payment collection so that you can easily track everything that's all the money that's owed to you and then a basic takings that shows you how much money you're earning in your GST calculations. And so what I found even with myself in my business, and I've been in business 23 years now, and I have Myob. I started with zero and I didn't find it user-friendly and then I moved to Myob, which was slightly more user-friendly, but I feel like they're not intuitive systems. And so I was spending so long trying to learn these systems that were actually making my life harder than making it easier. And this is the trap that a lot of practitioners fall into is that, oh, it's going to make my life easier if I just learn how to use zero or Myob or another package, whatever it might be. But in actual fact, even if you're a solo practitioner that's been in practice for a long time and you have a good revenue stream, if you're just 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 yourself, it's still easy to manage through an Excel spreadsheet. You don't have to worry about the complexities of building in uh, the systems and procedures in place to automate your accounting for you. Because again, it's just an additional step that you could so manage you know, in a more, much more easier fashion as well. So I certainly think that's something that our practitioners get bogged in as well. Do you yeah. find that with your clients too? Yeah, bookkeeping systems are made for accountants. They're not made for business owners um, because they give the accountant the information um, that they need to do your tax. That's 
the function of a bookkeeping system, really. Um, and the reporting from a bookkeeping system will tell you about your the history of your profitability, but it's only cash flow management that will help you looking towards the future. Because it's all right to say, oh, well, I was profitable, you know, over last year. But that doesn't mean that this coming year will be the same. Mm. So any cash flow forecasting from your bookkeeping system is based on your previous year. So it's saying your expenses will be the same, you know, roughly your income will be the same. Well, you and I know um, that the income fluctuates. So that's not a reliable indicator for your business moving forward. And so looking at cash flow, yeah. is, is, do you look at cash flow every year? Do you look at it every quarter, every month? Is this, how, do you, how do you manage your cash flow to make sure that the amount that you're putting aside is still going to be sufficient as your business grows? Um, it's, a, it's a living thing that you're working with all the time. So um, with the software that I use with my clients, um, we enter in all of their business expenses. Um, if they change, things drop off or prices increase for other things, it's a living, a living system that you update as you go um, and it forecasts up to 10 years in the future. But every forecast is only based on your expenses at the time. Hmm. Um, so, but in terms of irregular income, um, if you've got people on payment plans or, you know, for your practitioners, if they've got someone who comes for a regular monthly appointment, you can enter in that income as projected future income and then the system uses that in, in working out your cash flow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's Absolutely. very simple, but, yeah. <laughs> no, we've already... Covered. Keep an eye on weekly, I'd say. Weekly? Usually, yeah. Wow. But it's just you know, whatever system you set up, if you've got your, your spreadsheet set up um, for the year, um, it's just checking that against your, your bank balance and making sure that, you know, you're not going to run out of cash that month. Mm, yeah. So we talked a bit earlier about key business metrics and numbers that every practitioner or um, business owner should know. Was there anything else that you wanted to touch on that or have we already covered that off? I don't think so, no. It's really revenue, expenses, profit and cash flow. Yeah. We've already talked about financial mistakes as well. You said the most common mistake people make is not separating their finances. Was there anything else you wanted to add in that regard about mistakes that you commonly see with your own clients that uh, might help people avoid making those mistakes if they know what those mistakes are? Yes. Um, yeah, one thing I didn't mention earlier, um, when you separate your finances and have the two bank accounts, um, you know, or however many you've got in your personal life and your business bank account, some people still take money from the business account for personal spending, and that's a no-no as well. So essentially when you set up the business bank account, um, it's hands-off. You know, I, I find a good way to look at it is it's like if you were employed, you wouldn't you know, pay for your groceries from your employer's bank account. 
So it's the same with your business bank account. Anything you take from that for personal spending is the equivalent of paying yourself. And it also makes your accounting messy because um, whether you're doing your own bookkeeping or you're doing it in zero or one of the other programs, every time you spend from your business account on personal items, it needs to be shown as owner's drawings and it comes from profit, if you have any profit. Um, otherwise, you're bleeding your business dry. Um, and that's a big mistake I find with a lot of um, entrepreneurs. You know, they'll have the separate bank account, but they're still treating their business bank account like they're a slush fund. And, you know, they'll take money from the business bank account when, with, without being properly aware of the impact of that. Um, and then they find themselves having to put money back in from their personal finances to sort of top it up again. So, yeah, just a, a caution there that try and keep um, the business money in the business for business expenses. So the solution would be that if you wanted to buy something and you needed the money, you would just take it out as owner's, um, an owner, like a payer, so you paid yourself owner's drawings, that's the word I was looking for, thank you. You take it out as owner's drawings and then you would take that money and do what you need to do with it. Is that essentially what you would do? Because, yeah, right. And if it's a situation, you know, it might be an emergency situation at home and these things happen, um, I would suggest that you keep a record of that and with the idea of paying it back to the business when you can um, because otherwise, as I said, it's sort of like a, a money leak from the business um, and it will be considered as um, basically, yeah, only drawings coming from profit. Mm -hmm. That's why I think it's important to start paying yourself um, as early as you can and, yeah, and build up that amount um, as your business grows. Um, and the other thing I will say is it's a really good idea to have your personal finances in order too because if you can't manage your personal money, you're not going to be able to manage, you know, a half a million dollar a year business because, you know, it's the same skill set. Um, and when I worked with my six-month VIP clients, we actually sought their personal finances first mm. because that tells them how much income they need from their business to support their personal life. Um, so um, I think it's really important because a lot of people, you know, say that they're working in corporate and then they go and start their own business and they sort of say, well, my aim is to bring in what I was earning as an employee. But often that's not the right figure because if they haven't got their personal finances organised and looking at their personal expenses with the view of, I need to maximise the amount of income I've got and make sure that it's covering my expenses, that my expenses aren't over the top. So they want to be able to bring down their um, expenses in their personal life so that they don't need to pay themselves as much. 
I've found that a lot of my clients um, find out that they actually don't need to earn what they used to earn in corporate. It's just that they didn't have their personal finances sorted out when they were working for an employer um, and they were, you know, spending willy-nilly, the money was just disappearing. And when we go through the process of looking at their personal finances, they might they find out that they can actually get by on, you know, $10,000 a year less than what mm. they were earning. Yeah, so I think that's important too. Yeah. Excellent. And in, we've probably covered some of this off already, but in terms of profitability, do you have any advice for someone on how they could maximise the profit in their business? I think, as you've mentioned, keeping expenses down and also looking at, I guess, the their capacity in terms of how many clients they have got the hours that they're going to dedicate to the business that they can service, what they're charging those clients. So if they were to look at the hours that they've got available, how many how many clients can they serve in that time? What are they charging each client? And then they the potential income comes from that. Okay, so I've got, say it's 30 hours a week and I need to leave five hours a week for business admin, um, marketing, whatever, and there's 25 hours left. Um, I can't cope with seeing, you know, more than three clients a day, four clients a day, whatever it is. Um, so I've got you know, the capacity to handle, um, if I'm working five days, I've got the capacity to handle 15 clients in a week. I'm charging clients this much per session, so that's how much I can earn. Then look at the cost of the expenses and you'll see what the profit would be because what I find with some people, they're actually undercharging for their services. Notorious in our industry. So many practitioners do that. You need to sort of reverse engineer the numbers. You need to sort of say, okay, how many hours have I got? How much of that can be client-facing time? What am I charging per session? How many sessions can I fit into that client-facing time? So that's my potential income. That's what I want to do to get fully booked. But then what are my business costs for that time as well? And make sure that, you know, there's actually a difference, that there actually is a profit between the potential income less the, the business expenses. And, again, look at the business expenses critically because the more you can save or the less you can spend on expenses, the more profit you're going to have. Yeah. And it's not unreasonable, you know, for a, a service provider um, to have as much as 50% profit. Um, and then, you know, you can take it further and say, well, out of that profit, I've got to set aside the tax and I've got to set aside 
for um, you know, future business development and I want to pay myself. So you know, it's a matter of just doing all those, those sums. Yeah, and it's going to vary a lot because there's a lot of practitioners that work only online so they don't have rent to pay, for example. So that's um, a good opportunity for someone to go in and evaluate their own expenses and see, again, what they can cut down in order to increase their profit. So my last question for you, Marlene, is if you were to give just one piece of advice to a natural health practitioner aiming to build a successful business that they love, what would it be? I think it would be... Get your financial foundations in a just simple setup very early in your business because it only gets harder. The more income you're bringing in and the more your expenses grow as, as the business grows, the harder it gets to keep track of. Um, so I would say, yeah, get your separate business bank account set up a basic way of tracking your income and expenses um, in lieu of, you know, a fancy bookkeeping system and get familiar with those key business numbers. And you'll be you'll have a great foundation ready to to grow. Um, and yeah. your free report will address a lot of that as well, won't it? Absolutely. There's um Step nine steps and you can just tick off each step as you do it with you know quite a bit of information about how to approach each each step and I cover off on all the things we've talked about today. So, yeah. Excellent. I'll definitely add that to the show notes as well. So how can my listeners find out a little bit more about you and your coaching programs? Yes. Uh, my website is uh, .com, uh and I'm Insight Spending Planners on Facebook and Instagram. Excellent. We'll add those to the show notes as well. Marlene, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you for imparting your wisdom on to me and my listeners as well. It's been a pleasure having you here today. Oh, no. It, thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure um, to talk to people such as yourself and, and share what I know with the listeners. Yeah, so thank you again. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in today and I look forward to having you join me in the next episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date with the latest releases and for more helpful tips, look for me on Instagram under the handle Practice. This podcast is proudly sponsored by my appointments.